Hey guys, it's Michelle Collins. Welcome to the Michelle Collins Show. It's my show and I'm thrilled you're here. We're going to be bringing you episodes every single week with different co-hosts, the same usual nonsense, off-the-cuff humor, news, advice, pop culture. I know it's a novel concept for a podcast, but what can I say? I'm an innovator. That's what I do. You'll be getting episodes every week, but if you want to hear daily episodes, you can head over to my Patreon. That's www.patreon.com slash mishcall, M-I-C-H-C-O-L-L. I have co-hosts every single day. It's funny. It's loose. It's authentic. I do weekly episodes with my mother. If you're curious as to how someone is made this way, I highly recommend tuning into those and some video content as well, which is exciting. I'm off to contour, but I want you to enjoy this episode. It's fabulous. We adore you and we look forward to seeing you over on the Patreon. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Forever. Dog. Good morning, afternoon, evening, whenever you're listening to us. It's Michelle Collins. Hi, it's a new episode of Midnight Snack. You might be thinking, Michelle sounds different. I sure do. We are, I think, we're recording this Monday, but right now we are number four on the iTunes or whatever the shit they call it, Apple Podcasts. I have no idea. Apple Podcast <laughs> charts under TV and film. We are at the moment only being beaten by um, Brian Baumgartner's Office Podcast, a Bridgerton Shondaland podcast, and Alan versus Pharaoh, and then us. <laughs> it's actually really nuts. It's pretty crazy. I mean, like, we're beating all the Bravo podcasts, like everything. It's exciting. It's pretty amazing. And, and we are kind of a combination of those other three. So uh, well, I'm, like. <laughs> and let's welcome our guest, Dylan Farrow. Can you imagine? Uh, I'm here with Dan Acton. Uh, I'm Michelle Collins. Also, thank you to everyone. I, you know, just people are so sweet. And the reason why that happened, and I hope, I didn't know this was going to happen, Dan. Our friend who just did our podcast a couple weeks ago, Matt Rogers from Lost Culturistas and yeah. Hot Dog on HBO Max. Matt, who I, we've privately talked about Matt Rogers. Dan and I have. Yeah, of course. He's great. Because we both 
agree that he's like the best looking and funniest. And I know it sounds like I'm saying that because he said something nice about me. But like I have thought for years, I'm like, Matt Rogers really is like old school movie star, like gorgeous, funny, sweet. Like he really has it all. So I've always felt that about little our little Maddie Rogers. And he like, I guess, was interviewed by The New York Times and plugged Midnight Snack. And he said, which I didn't know. I someone tagged me on a Thursday. I I was like, ee-oh, ee-oh, like oh, on you didn't my contact. Even know at all? Oh, that was so sweet. No, that's I had so no nice. idea until it was published. Um, oh. Can oh. I read? It's like now by reading this, like I almost want Dan to read it because if I read it, it's going to sound cocky. I'll read you it. You know what? I don't have it in front of me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't want to. I'll kill him. It Do says, it. "The funniest woman in the world." Wow, that's me. <laughs> I don't deserve to live. That I know. Uh, she has a joke and an entertaining take on any pop culture topic under the sun. The best, sharpest, and most hilarious in the biz. Literally, nicer things have never been said about me. Certainly not in the New York Times. And now I think I can literally <laughs> say that the New York Times called me the funniest woman in the world. Like, it's, he hooked yeah, yeah, it up yeah, for yeah. me forever. <laughs> you know? Just put, like, dot, dot, dots in, like, the front and the back. <laughs> the and over all the over all the vowels. I'll also have yeah. three dot, dot, dots. <laughs> I'm like the Swedish daily horn says, um, <laughs> hi Dan. Okay. So that was it. So we, hi. so if we have new listeners tuning in, welcome to the show. It is, um, someone recently left us a bad review cause they were a fan of our beloved Danny Pellegrino and they left a bad review. Like, wow, that girl talks too much at the top. It's like, bitch, it's my <laughs> podcast. You fucking idiot. Like, yes, I'm going to talk at the top with Dan Acton. That's what we do. And then we welcome our guest. You do Who talk t- a lot. Yeah. <laughs> on your podcast <laughs> I've been meaning to mention yeah I mean um, I, by the way the nerve and also to leave two stars it's like I wonder what the mm. one thing was that put me over the one star edge for <laughs> Debbie and Disney or whatever her fucking name is but anyway but no leave us a nice review to offset Debbie and Disney and um, we have Ben Schwartz on the show today Ben who I just adore he's such a lovely guy I'm so excited to talk to him but before we do that I like to just recap the weekend with Dan Dan, Dan, looking handsome. Dan, I did finish our audiobook, How Not oh, to Die yeah. Alone, which Dan How recommended to, to me. Alone. Yes. Yeah. And so did you end up liking it? I, I also finished it this weekend. I loved it. I thought it was great. Well, you know, listen, I don't want to dig my heels any deeper into this girl's life um, who wrote it. I think it's a helpful book. I actually have recommended it to single friends of mine. And I actually think if, by the way, I'm like her best saleswoman. She should send me a fucking fruit basket because I'm talking about this book so much. (laughs) But um, I think even if you're in a couple or in um, if you're dating someone, but it's not like serious yet yeah. the book actually i think can apply to you as well it doesn't only go for single people looking um like dan and i wait remember last week dan when i was like hey if any of you know people for either of us literally nobody knows anyone for zero zero response <laughs> <laughs> for because our most listened listen, to episodes go on yeah well if they listen to the podcast they're like well dan has this like terrible voice he's like very boring and like <laughs> Like, there's no, like... (laughs) Please. Are you kidding? Well, I'm a nightmare. Why would anybody want to hook me up with anyone? It's like literally buying um, a fucking Tickle Me Elmo for a child. You know what I mean? You don't want to, like, foist me upon anybody. Because I don't (laughs) shut the fuck up. What do you think of her idea at the end to, like, go over the relationship, like, every once in a while? You like that? Okay. That was my favorite part. would you do that? That was my favorite part. to check in. 
she uh, listen the girl and i think you and i talked about this because her whole thing is like she's like when i moved to san francisco to become part that's like what she sounds like to become part of like the ted x like i went to like did ted talks there and i was i called dan fuming i was so angry and i said you know dan there is a conference culture there's a culture of people who go to conferences and they are to me the worst part of society like and don't get me wrong, I would love to be the new Brene Brown. I would love to give a TED Talk. There's a lot of money there and a lot of fortune and fame, and I want it all, right? But there's also, like, a cockiness to conference people. There is something yeah. about those conference folk I don't love. I'm just going to put it's it out confident. there. Yeah, they're, they're, they're confident. But you have to have something that you can uh, get, like, the HR person, whoever's in charge of HR at a company, to, like, pay you to come that's right talk to their company about like you have to go to like do a google talk or whatever oh my god by the way i I want i want in on conference culture like i don't want people to think if you work hey hey listener if you now forget (laughs) dating who gives a fuck about dating if you work at a major hey hey ted Ted hey ted we need to talk it's a new podcast dan and i (laughs) ted we need to talk um Let's give Ted something to talk about. Uh, I think I'm going to quit the show. That's it. I'm quitting comedy forever. I'm, I'm, I'm like checking the rankings. Uh, it's not pretty. <laughs> so, you know, Wait, we're down arrow. to 82. <laughs> Is, that good? In the... Is that good? Down? Is that good? <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute. We should, it's like um, Hudsucker proxy style. Yeah, yeah, I'm no, like, huh? Yeah, no. <laughs> the ticker tape's coming out. And I'm like, Dan, 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 get this. We fell to 162 in the past 25 seconds. Um, it's T- Ted's influence. Never forget it. No, uh, if anyone works in HR, you want to hire me or Dan and myself to travel mm-hmm. or do Zoom conferences, we are available. And I can... I can make people feel so good about working for your company. Yes. No, but what I liked about uh, this book, How Not to Die Alone, which she says, which Dan just mentioned about a minute ago, is uh, that people who check in on their relationships, their relationships last longer and there's like less cheating. There's, it, it, it's really yeah. interesting that when the brain compartmentalizes what something is, it takes it more seriously versus what she calls like sliding into a relationship. And that, for me was very interesting to hear because I feel like it's so easy to just slide into something and it's really scary to also want to find something. But the truth is in the end, I always yeah. think it's worth it. I don't know. Yeah, I do too. But what, uh, it's like choosing the moment when you want to bring up, like, what are we doing? Are we dating or something? Like, yeah, you know, you could be like two weeks, weeks into something. They're like, uh, I don't know. Like get away from me. Uh, two weeks in, it's I'm like, usually like, two weeks in, my energy is usually like, um, get away from me. Like, genuinely. Absolutely. Get away from me. <laughs> um, I had something funny happen this weekend. You know, I don't often talk about my dating life, um, which, you know, actually, I, I don't want to like be like, oh, in the pandemic, I've been cleaning up because that's not true. But right. it's been okay. I feel like, you know, very careful about how I'm doing things and who I'm meeting. But I have been going out with people. And I had a date Sunday uh, with a very lovely guy, by the way. I will not give any, you know, I don't, I don't, I actually often feel that when guys see what I do for a living, they hesitate going out with me because they're worried that I'm going to like talk shit about them. And the truth Uh, is, you know what I mean? And I can understand that. Like, I wouldn't want anyone like podcasting about going out with me. That would be literally my hell. But um, you get it. But uh, this actually doesn't have 
so much to do with him as something that happened on this date. So very cute little day. We went to the beach, like very remote part of South Florida. Nobody else was there genuinely. Um, just sweet, like a blanket umbrella. No, no dirty stuff, people. I know where you're, I know where you're thinking. <laughs> Meanwhile, I go to the bathroom and like four pearls fall out. I'm like, what? <laughs> How did that happen? Wow, that sand really gets everywhere. That's me to like my non-existent Truman Show camera. Anyway, Um, but no, it was very cute. Like had a little wine, you know, whatever blanket. And when I tell you that there was nobody else there, there wasn't except behind him. We turn and there's a woman who I would liken like um, a big lots version of Kim Kardashian. She actually had an amazing body very doctored body like uh, like edited. from edited body like from the side genuinely though it was funny because i when you see some women on instagram who have like teensy tiny waists and then these massive asses and big tits you just kind of yeah. assume that they're face tuning their bodies like that this woman had that body in real life it was actually alarming like I, and the funny thing is i was looking at her and i thought you know if i was like more fit like, cause I have a big old ass, you know, I call my, I have a Pixar mom ass. I got that dump truck ass. I've always had it. Um, but it's not like fake. So it looks like a real ass. You know what I mean? Right. right and this yeah. woman's was like a marbleized, uh, sculpt, like Michelangelo sculpted smooth, but like beach ball. It was humongous. <laughs> Just tiny, like a shiny t- spear. Yeah. <laughs> like two Montel Williams heads, basically with a thong <laughs> in between it. Tiny waist. Big tits, fake, obviously, string bikini on. And then so she was posing. It was just so funny, like in the water, like on all fours, like doing this as this guy was taking professional photos of her. And, you know, meanwhile, and girls back me up, like beach dates are, I don't even know if I would have really gone on one. I'm in a good place right now with myself, but that's a move, you know, to go like wear a bathing suit. And, you know, this is like a fairly new situation. So like. You know, you want to, like, still look cute and whatever. And it's, like, scary. Like, right. are we going to, like, get in our suits? Or, <laughs> like, what, what are we doing today, you know? So then for me to, like, be, like, sitting there, whatever, and I looked fine. To then have this, like, hot as shit, like, porn star, basically, feet from us. <laughs> like, literally on all fours as the waves were crashing around her. It, to me, was like, I don't know if I'm just cursed or and luckily this guy has a good sense of humor so like we had a laugh about it i mean we you have to laugh about that that's just like ridiculous (laughs) um and actually he said something that kind of almost hurt my feelings because i was like i said you know i made a joke like honestly if you want to go talk to her like i wouldn't you know that's fine like i get it like i won't be hurt and he said something like oh no i can't afford her which i got the joke but also i was like um okay like I was like, uh, I need to like up my fucking standards for myself. And it was a funny thing to say for sure. Cause like, she clearly was like some whatever, but I was like, right, right, right. fake hurt. Like, <laughs> okay. Um, meanwhile, later at Arby's, I was like, still feel the same way. <laughs> I'm like, wait, am I not like hot enough to look like I deserve nice things? Like what the fuck? Like maybe I need to like. What can I do to myself to look hot enough to... Maybe. I mean, it was a cute thing to say, but I think you look uh, fantastic. Oh, and babe, thank you so much. on, like, a beach date, that is really ballsy. Can actually. you imagine? Oh, for me to go on one, yeah. you're saying? Yeah, for anybody. I have to agree. But it was funny. So yeah. we took a selfie with her behind us, and then I may in my stories just post. <laughs> I did take a close-up photo of her where she looks fully nude. I sent it to you, Dan. It's 
Hilarious. I mean, just the nerve of her, the nerve to show up on my date in the water. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine that? It's insane. And then, you know, the so other annoying. thing is, it's so fucking annoying. I was like, it's the male equivalent. Like, what would the equivalent be for you on a date? Like you're um, on a date with some guy. Go on. Oh, geez. Yeah, there could be any type, actually. Like it could be like a huge, burly, like, you know, muscle bound, whatever. That's taking his like selfie. I don't know. There, there's there's a lot of variations that I would feel threatened by. Actually, <laughs> I was thinking. Actually, what's funny with you is that what's funny with you? No, what's funny about uh-huh. the G community <laughs> is that I imagine uh-huh. a lot of dates happen pre-pandemic and hopefully post at bars where there are like go-go yeah. dancers. And I would almost think oh, that yeah, that's true. That would be like a similar equivalent of like, basically I just don't want to be on a date, especially where like my boobs are out basically um, where there's like a professional stripper nearby. Like that just well, didn't right, feel good but, to me. But if you're at a bar, you're usually fully clothed and the, you're like expected to be fully clothed and the go-go right. dancer is expected to be naked. But like on a beach, it's kind of a level playing field. Like we're all in our swimsuits. Well, that was the I whole thing. Know. I yeah. kept, but you know what's funny? It was kind of chilly. So I actually like had my swimsuit, but I kept my, my jeans on. <laughs> and I did wear jeans. My feet were out. My little tootsies were out. But I was just like, you know what? I need a couple more dinners before the jeans come off. You know what I'm saying? That's just how I was raised in a post-pandemic society. Everybody I know has gotten vaccinated but me somehow. Um, yeah. That's that's it. I literally every, and I'm talking young people with no pre-existing conditions. I'm getting texts being like, hey, I rolled into Publix for a sub and got vaccinated. I'm like, huh? Like, text yeah. me. Let me know. It's like happening. It's happening. It's happening. I agree. Uh, I know. I'm getting, yeah. I don't want to talk about you it. You want to tell people? <laughs> Well, listen, I also, I have an appointment. I'm not, listen, let's talk about it. I, I have an appointment in New York. Technically I qualify for it under a very hilarious, um, comorbidity that is, you know, some people might argue whatever, but like, according to a doctor, you know, if you got the numbers crunched, I kind of qualify. So I don't, if I'm on it, then I'm on it and that's it. Yeah. Go for it. No, I have an appointment tomorrow. (gasps) I have high blood pressure on the record. I don't know. He said that's a fine. The doctor did. Anyway, mm-hmm. uh, but for my um, zip code and uh, that, I uh, get the opportunity to get my first shot tomorrow. I'm excited. Well, I, you know, I wasn't going to say anything. And actually, it's funny. I think the only reason why I feel comfortable even saying something is because so many young people that I'm friends with have already gotten their shot that maybe in my in our community it doesn't seem as shocking but i know that in other parts yeah. of the country it's really hard if you're like not over or excuse me not under 65 to get it so i don't want people to yeah. like come for me i'm doing this personally in the most legal of ways like i'm not getting it in like the back oh, yeah. of a cvs right. from like a hookup you know but right, i am right. getting my shot at the javits center in many, many weeks from now, but still, which maybe they'll turn me away. I have no idea what's going to happen there. I'm curious to see like what, I don't think they can. Like I literally have a doctor's thing that says that I have whatever this thing is, but um, which I don't really feel comfortable talking about, but uh, it's so funny because later on in the episode, I actually, Ben Schwartz and I do talk about, I mean, people who listen are going to, for two seconds, we talk about American Idol and my audition only because Ben didn't know <laughs> two minute story, but that I auditioned for American Idol at the Javits Center and now I'm going to get jabbed at the Javits Center and I feel like something else happened there. Oh, I've been to Comic-Con there. I've been to the dog show there, the International Food Fest, and now I'm going to get vaccinated there. It's just like... Yeah, and you met uh, Jared the Subway guy there. I met Jared the Subway guy. Is there anything that that center 
can't do? Is there any convention <laughs> they can't take on? They're like the TED Talk of buildings. Like they just can, anything goes. They're happy to welcome anyone. Sure. But you know, you know, Dan, I'm not in the, I don't know what's come over you today. I don't know what's come over you today. <laughs> I'm joking. Wait, anything else? I know you have to go in two minutes. You're leading a meeting, yeah, yeah. which is exciting. Um, I watched a documentary about uh, showgirls. <laughs> Well, that is our time. You know, I've never seen Showgirls, by the way. I've never seen Showgirls. Yeah. Oh, we should watch it. It's really worth, uh, it really lives up and exceeds your expectations. I think you you would (sighs) have fun with it. I I know know you don't want to see it. I don't want to see it. I didn't want to see it. And then somebody forced me to see it. And it's, it's wonderful. It's Paul Verhoeven, right? Directed it. My whole thing is I just know it's going to be bad. And I actually don't get a thrill out of bad films like i hated the room i didn't like i don't it's not get a thrill like out the, of it you know what i mean by that it's not like the room I, th- I think you would actually be thrilled because it's very adventurous it's very high budget it's very beautifully it? shot okay it's very intentionally and beautifully and artistically shot but the character interactions and the the, the, way, the way people behave is just like completely bonkers it's, well so dan we let's make it. a deal maybe after we're both jabbed You'll come to the apartment. I'll be back in New York okay. and we can watch right. Showgirls. And then maybe we do like a live podcast, something we can like talk through Showgirls for people. Sure. Yeah, why not? That might be fun. Let's do it. All right. Well, that's what we like to call a professional tease. What are we? What are we at a conference right now? What are we? <laughs> I don't even know. Am I just not funny? Listen, it's one thirty. Maybe the times may be unfunny. Maybe I've reached my peak. Like once you've peaked, it's like, well, that was fun. Um, anyway, I promise I am the funniest woman in the world. Don't let this episode fool you. Go back, listen to some past ones. You'll, you'll hear it. You'll get it. Uh, Dan Acton is a treat at Dan underscore Acton. We love Dan. Dan, good luck. What is her meeting about? Are you allowed to tell us? Uh, it's a one-on-one. So it's about my, uh, performance. Ooh. Okay. We should let you go. That's a big one. Uh-oh. Performance. One. It's by the way, it's a meeting with me and I'm like, yeah, I, know. I feel like you're not interested in my stories lately. No, I'm kidding. Uh, Dan, thank you. We love you guys. We've got right, Ben Schwartz. Bye Danny. Ben Schwartz. Here we go. He's probably one of our greatest gets. And I'm not just saying that. I feel like when I talked to you a couple weeks ago, I said, I got to get Ben Schwartz on the podcast. Because first of all, we share a very dear mutual friend who we both love very much. Mm-hmm. And you're just one of those people who um, I think deep down, I've just always really wanted to be good friends with. And we're not there, but I think there's hope. Listen, can I tell you the way to my heart is through my my parents. And you have, uh, I, I did that at the end of our little interview last time I said, there must be a, a bigger medium where we could talk. You must have a podcast. And you're like, of course I have a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> And then I told uh, my parents, I was like, yeah, I did Michelle Collins. Like, oh, my God, Michelle Collins. We talked to her at the blank or whatever it was at the after party for a movie that came out. And they, they like, loved her. Oh, no. Me and your parents mm-hmm. are friends. Like, that's the thing. But I remember, well, first of all, let me introduce you. Obviously, he's beloved in the world of comedy and beyond. Um, follow him on Twitter and on Instagram at Rejected Jokes. He's in a new movie called uh, Flora and Ulysses, which is on Disney Plus, out now. Um, he has Middle Ditch and Schwartz, which is out on Netflix. You're in Space Force. Nice. Parks and Rec. He's Sonic the Hedgehog, for God's sake, the sequel. I mean, raking the money in. I say this as a Jewish friend, Ben Schwartz. <laughs> ben, your union dues must just be through the roof. I can't even imagine. Talk to me. Let's get right to the union dues. Let's get right into it. We're talking WGA. We're talking SAG-AFTRA. It has to uh, be crazy. We're, we're really getting into those union dues, yeah. Mm. 
Let me say this about your parents that I met do them. Wanna, I do remember- you want to throw a sponsorship uh, to whatever yeah. you just, what beverage you just drank? What yeah, spon- um, what, who are you sponsored by today? What if I was just like, this is, first of all, this is La Colombe iced coffee in the bottle from Publix, which <laughs> I know Publix is a Trump uh, supermarket and you're not supposed to shop there now, but I'm in Miami. There's like nowhere else really to shop. I'm not going to go Michelle, into Winn-Dixie. You just, without even knowing. It did an incredible transition to my first ever paid acting gig it was no. for a commercial for Publix grocery stores, what, two, 20 years ago or 18 years ago? I had no lines. I take a, I, I'm a grocery person that brings the groceries to someone's uh, back of their trunk uh-huh. and I do it and there's just not, an, there's, the prices are so low that there's so much there she needs more room in her trunk she's bought so much stuff so she takes out her spare tire and throws it and my whole goal is i <laughs> i have a bag there and i watch this woman absolutely tear out the wheel and throw it and then she takes the bag i say no lines and that was it that was my first gig i if i would have known that you had a public connection cuz public's to me like growing up in miami connection. that's like that's our that's our hookup. Do you get like a Publix discount? I mean, it's upsetting to find out that this woman is like a big QAnoner and one of the capital overthrowers. The daughter, is that true? To, yes, like the daughter to the Publix oh. heir is some like wild, you know, pedophile lie spreading lady. Oh. But honestly, their subs are great. They hired my friend Ben Schwartz. Um, that was well, your this very is first. Twenty years ago, there was definitely God. a different owner twenty years ago. How old were you then? Like 20 or 18 probably? I got that commercial probably in 2004 or 5 or 6, one of those. So I would have mm. been, I grew up in, in 1981 was when I was born. Yeah. So let's try to do this math. 20, 25 maybe? And that was the first gig. Did you find, were you in LA when that happened or were you in New York? Oh my goodness, no. I was in New York till the moment I had to be in LA because I'm a big family guy and I did not want to leave my parents or my sister. So yeah. it took me being like, okay, if I really want to do something in this industry, I got to get, there's no more opportunities for me here or there's very limited. It's like, will I be a writer for Letterman? And I was already a page and didn't get the opportunity to become a writer there. So I was like, mm. all right, so that's out. So what else was there is John Stewart Daily show SNL, but I wasn't, I can't really do like big impressions. So mm. I was like, I don't think that's for, I don't think I'm getting on there. So I was like, if I really want to try to be in television or movies, I got to get over to LA. And it took like, uh, it was probably the biggest risk I've ever taken. That Me being like, all right, let's leave everything and see where, how it works. Well, I was going to say, what year did you move there? I moved here in 2009, January 11, 2009. Most of the comics who uh, came to LA, I feel like 2012, 2013 is when the big exodus from New York happened. But I moved there in 2010 yes. and I felt really fucking cool that I was like ahead of the pack. You know, like I came here before anyone was confident enough, and I also didn't want to leave New York, but I was in kind of a different space, more of like a talk show space, but uh, LA never clicked for me, and I'm sure you miss New York. I bet if you had the chance to move back, you would. Wait, when did you move back, and was it after Chelsea Lately? It was way after Chelsea Lately. I moved back to New York in 20... I moved there in 2010 and back to New York in 2015 for The View. Five years! Oh, well, you did it for a job, though. Would you have come back if you didn't get that big job? No, and how was I affording my restoration hardware lamps, Ben Schwartz? No, no, no. I had to get <laughs> I had a job. Those lamps. I no, have which one? Lamps. I don't know. I could go downstairs. Of course, I have. Wait, those. the glass insane? tubes? The glass tubes with the metal pole in the middle? Uh, maybe. I those mean, are of mine. Course. 
Oh my God. What was the first thing you bought when you really hit it big? Because I always tell people when I got hired in The View, my joke (laughs) is that I moved to New York in the Coming to America limos. And like, first thing, I went to Crate and Barrel. I went to Restoration. I was like, I I was on the show for maybe eight minutes total, but I was like, give me that mirror. I want those lamps. I got a beautiful couch. And no, those are the only things I have to my name. What is like the one big thing that you did when you got your first big gig what a great question well my first when i got when i got my first tv show you also have to remember when i moved here i uh um i didn't have much money being an improviser you don't make any money so all my money i made was off of commercials uh that i booked or like um jokes that i wrote or something like that and i was a bartender at ucb like i was you know (gasps) not i didn't have any money so when i came here i rented a car for like the from the cheapest place near lax and I put uh, my dad's duffel bag in the back. Wait, I have to and ask. That's like, was it yeah, priceless rent a car? It might have been. It was. I'm telling you, it was like a month. It was like fifty bucks. It was so insane. <laughs> and it was a Toyota Camry that had like plugs in every hole. Uh, yes. Every. Sorry, that's a terrible sentence. But my every tire had uh, plugs everywhere. So it's like it has been through the ringer. I have to tell you something so funny, and I'm so into this story. But it happened to me once where my friend, I friend loaned me her car in L.A. Took the car. It got towed because the bitch had like 1,800 unpaid parking tickets. I didn't know. I thought it got stolen. It was like a day out of a nightmare. Had no money. And I had to rent a car from a place by LAX called Priceless Rent-A-Car where the S's are money. I think that might be it, by the way. Has to be it because the S's are money signs. It looks like the house where Jenny got molested in Forrest Gump. It's like this shack, ramshackle, shitty place. You go inside. They gave me a Nissan Altima where the back window was propped up with plywood. Like it had so oh much shit on God. the car. And it was also like a hundred bucks for the month. And I was like, perfect. So it had to be the same place. I'm telling you. So I, and it was my friend Chad Carter, my friend Chad Carter, who I knew from UCB. And I slept on his floor for a month. And when I slept on his floor, uh, I would sleep on my boxers because it'd be hot. And him and his girlfriend would come over and be like, we got to do something about this. So they took out their tent that they take to like hike in. And they put it right next to the kitchen. And I slept uh, in a tent next to his kitchen for a month or a month and a half. Uh, it was very, it was before I had a place to stay and all that stuff. It was very embarrassing. But what, the, so I forget the first, so one of the first things when I, I booked a show called, um, um, no, uh, it was me, Richard Dreyfus, Jason Biggs, and Mary Steenburgen. It was created okay. by Mitch Hurwitz. It only did a pilot. I got paid the least amount you're legally allowed to get paid to yeah. act in something. Yeah. And uh, with that money, I bought a, a Honda Civic. Wow. So I bought a, a Honda Civic, uh, you know, the DX, you know, the, the lowest model of a Honda Civic, which ended up being like my favorite car. I mean, it's not fancy. That was, I still didn't have any money, but I didn't have a car. And I was like, I got to stop driving this. It's, it's dangerous. I'm driving something that's dangerous. <laughs> so I got a Honda Civic and I had it for like eight years. Loved Ugh. it. And even when I started to get fame and we're going to like fancy places and you like have to valet your car, mine was always the crappiest car and I kind of yes. loved it. <laughs> I loved it. Yeah. And mine was dirty. I didn't take care of it. My dad's oh, like no. a big car guy. And he'd always be like, just wash your car. Just wash it. Um, but I, so I had that. That was like my first. I remember almost taking the check and like bringing it to the guy. Being like, this is, uh, can I afford a car with this much wow. money? Wow. And got the is, least, least expensive car. There is something very exciting. And for people who don't know LA at all, because I drove famously all the listeners, when they hear these words, they're going to have like a full 12 monkeys attack because I talk about it so much. But I had a Mercury Milan famously, like a discontinued car. I've never even heard of a Mercury Milan. Most, um, most people with class haven't. But I would make the argument that it's one of the classiest sedans on the market. They stopped making it in 2011. As a side note, I was in St. Petersburg, like Florida, like not Russia, like two weeks ago. No. What if all the Mercury Milans went to St. Petersburg, Russia? <laughs> I'm like, they love them. 
I've been to Cuba when I, I went to Cuba once, and all of, like these old, incredible classic cars are just driving around, and I was like, "This is incredible! Like cars you haven't seen in 25 years are all amazing." That Tampa is the uh, Havana of Florida in that all the discontinued cars from like American go there. So many Mercury Milans. I was over the moon, but I used to go like in LA to the Soho House or whatever, which is a very I, my joke used to be if you couldn't afford to be a member at the Soho House, just stand by the valet for like six hours, like bring like a flask because you would see every celebrity at the valet. You would see more famous people by the valet than in the club, you know, and you'd go down. I'm sure you've been. It's like in this garage in the you know basement mm-hmm. of this garage, very clandestine. And uh, I, this story is going to be amazing because this exactly happened to me. Keep going. This is amazing. OK, so all these cars and like for those who don't know, I mean, it's like, you know, Maseratis and all these huge SUVs and blah, blah, blah coming through. And then I was by myself. My friends had left and I went, well, my Mercury's here. <laughs> And I looked around and I remembered this guy, such a nice guy, the host of Antiques Roadshow in Temptation Island, Mark L. Wahlberg, the other one, was standing there. He doesn't know that I remember this because I was like a fan. Now we're friends. But I looked and he heard me and he like really laughed. And I just remember thinking, what a nice man. Like, he's so nice. And he and I had this moment. And then I got in my Mercury and drove off. And I remember feeling like uh, the valets in Ferris Bueller or something. I was just like, I'm a, I'm a garbage dump that I got my Mercury, like in this beautiful place. But... There is something that makes you feel good about having like that kind of thing. Wait, what happened to you there? I got to know. I had that exact moment. Went to the Soho house. I'm, of course, was not a member. And one of my friends told me to come for either a writing meeting or something like that. I go or a party. There's a party or something like that. I go there and all these famous people are outside waiting for their cars. And it's Tesla, Tesla, Maserati. Yes. It's like all these incredible cars. And these are kind people that aren't like, you know, they're not like they weren't assholes or anything like that. They're like kind people. And then uh, my car comes in and it's like a, you know, blue Honda Civic and it's really dirty because when I dropped it off, I didn't think in a million years that all these people I look up to will see. So I wasn't embarrassed that I was driving in it. I was embarrassed that these people felt sorry for me, I think. Like, oh, maybe he's not doing very well. I was like, I am doing, I'm doing pretty well. Uh, But I remember that moment of like, oh my God, now my car is coming. Like I've seen all these incredible cars. Now here comes my car. It's like when you like uh, go to like a Disneyland ride and one of them is busted and you're like, don't go on that one. You can't go on that car. Wait for the next one. Um, I feel like you drove the Sonic of Hedgehog of cars. Like you're like a little dirty blue Honda. Like that's a Sonic kind of car. Yeah. I loved it. But then, then when I made enough money, I started to lease uh, at least uh, an Audi. That was my gift to myself. I was trying to. How did because I fucking I was know to think of it was going to be an Audi? I said it's going to be either a BMW, but you know what? You're not dickish enough to drive a BMW. <laughs> and the slightly less dickish car is an Audi. I was like, he's. D- I pinned it. I clocked it. It's like tr- like a little bit of luxury, but hiding it where people won't be like, come on, you're an asshole. And I was like, yeah. But now I like, sometimes I had, I've been through two leases of those. And mm-hmm. um, I, I'm, I'm very bad at spending money. Truly, very really? bad at spending money. Wow. Even, even if I make money, oh. the things that I'm good, the things that I can spend it on, are food, uh, my family, and um, flights. Like flights, I, I used to be very like I used to hate flying. So then I was like, all right, you know what? I'll get like extra legs, or I'll extra leg room, or I'll get business class, or if there's like a if I'm going to New York and I can find a lie down seat that's affordable, you I would I would do that. So like, I save my money for that stuff but in terms of like clothes like i wear the same clothes that i've been wearing and like i get hand-me-down or like people will give me stuff every now and then and um stuff like that wait so when you got to the view was the amount of money that you were making exponentially 
higher than anything you had made in the past? Before I answer that question, I just want the listener to know that we're doing this over a video Zoom, and Ben is like, I, I don't spend money on things, like flights, whatever. And behind him is like probably a $7,000 sneaker in a Lucite case. I just find that funny. Like, what <laughs> this is that sneaker? was given to me from Paramount. Okay. Paramount Fair gave enough. it to me. It's a Sonic the Hedgehog limited edition. They only made five sneakers. This guy's Oh, my God. I should have known. this is a typewriter that was given to me. Um, although I do own a typewriter over there. I, I love typing letters. I love yes. typing letters and sending them to people. And then these are <gasps> posters from our tour shows that Ugh. Dave Clock made, who's a great You would have been such a great Civil War husband. Do you ever think about that? Like going off, like typing letters to your love? Like, <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, yeah. my, my God. My, my lover abroad would have absolutely <laughs> loved these. She would have been over the moon. Oh, my God. I would kill for a fucking typed love letter. Not You can send me one if you want, but like from anybody. I would just, to, to be able to open up a letter... And just see someone like taking the physical time to like type the keys out. There's it something very romantic about that. It doesn't happen anymore. None of it happens anymore. I know. Did you see this girl bought a stack of antique letters? It went viral on Twitter. She was like, oh, I got this um, stack of letters. Oh, fuck. I wish I could find it right now. On um, at some antique show. And I didn't expect it. And it was like... I got fucked up the ass last week and I was thinking about you like no. these filthy, dirty letters from World War II. Wait, let me see. Let me look Is up the real? word letters. Yes, yes, yes. And it was only page oh, three. Oh, my goodness. Oh my gosh, if you have one minute to spare. And let's you know. keep this in the podcast. Anytime you Google something, I'd love to keep all this air in the podcast if we could. <laughs> she really will. Oh, I wish I could find it. Tracy, see if you can find, um, I mean, I'm giving her no information, but it was like antiques thing, viral letter, World War II. She like had a threesome. It was this whole thing. Um, okay, back to your view question. Yeah, I mean, of course. It was my first the question just to remind everyone was it more money than I've made? I don't really like to talk about money. I don't make that much money. Like Neither I'm not do I, in by some. The way. I don't know how that's true. Not to be. Not that it's my I business. I don't ever talk about money. Nobody knows how much money I have or how poor I am. Well, you know what I was going to tell you before, which actually I don't really know a lot about you or you know how your family or anything. I have an assumption with a lot of people in comedy that they just come from money, like especially people who have seen a lot of success. And we know a lot of people who do come from a lot of money who were able in their 20s to not work and, you know, write and perfect their craft and everything else who are very funny. But it obviously gave them like a leg up in the business. And like I come from very middle class people. I've always worked. I've never been able to just like hang out and work on my craft, you know. I'm very like uh my production company name is uh Grand Avenue Productions because it's the my dad grew up on 176 in Grand Ave. My dad had no money, my mom had no money. They lived in the same area of the Bronx and they just worked their asses off. My mom's yeah. been a Bronx music teacher for 53 years. Wow. Like she's still going. This Ugh. is the woman that you met, Joan Foreman Schwartz. My dad oh my has had like a, a bunch of different jobs where he was um, he was the director of the YMHA, which is like the Jewish version of the YMCA over in the Bronx in Riverdale, uh, you know, directing uh, an enormous amount of people and keeping this company running. He was a social worker. Then he moved to uh, real estate. And then he was the middleman into buying and selling big buildings. But they all came from no money. Like everybody shared bedrooms with their siblings and all that stuff. Wow. And so when it got to us, we were able to move to the North Bronx. Mm. And then um, I was middle I was middle class, but I always went to public school, never went to a private school, same. but was middle definitely middle class. But we were always like we were raised in the same fashion where it's like, you know, my mom still had traits of having no money. Like when the ketchup was low, you put water in the ketchup, you shake it up and you use that <gasps> on pasta. We sometimes put ketchup instead of uh, sauce <laughs> because that's just what would happen. Wow. You like learn all these little things, but they, they never really. uh we were never really spoiled. We were always working. So I was working before legally I had working papers and we had to lie to the place and say that I was allowed to work and had working papers. 
So even whenever I was young, I started working. But I will say, I have met people in in the comedy world that when when I was doing comedy, like at the when I moved to Manhattan after college, my parents helped me out with rent for the first year, right? That's nice. And my yeah. friends who were my age that didn't have the, that opportunity, they had to be working. I mean, I was working. I was a page getting ten dollars an hour, but that doesn't pay for. That's like you an know, internship. Whatever. Yeah. Exactly. Basically, so it's like yeah. I I may I was always making money and always had a job. Um, but it wouldn't have been enough to afford an uh, apartment where I was living and stuff like that. So they helped me for the first year, and then I was able to make enough money to go on from there. But I know friends who did not have that opportunity. Yeah. And even, like, they had to work, and, like, you know, we would have a show, and sometimes they couldn't make it because they had stuff. And so I, there's absolutely an advantage in that. But I always, my parents always put it in me to work hard, and always. Mm. And that, I think that's what's made me successful there's a there's i mean whatever version of success i have there's a fear of failure always i'm always afraid oh, of being yeah. like oh shit this may be the last one never leaves you um and then also just like if i have free time and i'm not working i i get like anxious or like I'm really like, shit, i should be doing something yeah and before See, it used to be a problem like i used to work through the wow. weekend and like no. not take a rest and i used to get sick all the time and oh then i started God. to yeah once i had enough to be like all right i'm all right for rent for a while then, then I started to like be able to calm down on the weekends, take off. But that was something I had to teach myself to stop working on the weekends because it was like such a thing I was ingrained in. You're like the Jewish Frank McCourt. You're just like, you're Tell just... Tell me who that is. Uh, for Angela's Ashes. Like, I feel like you... <laughs> Do you know Angela's Ashes? The movie where the guy, I like a Angela's poor Ashes, Irishman... I don't know of it. Oh my gosh, he was like this poor young Irishman. He had like a hundred brothers and sisters. He had to wear like bike tires instead of shoes on his feet because his parents had like no money. But he had an incredible, I was going to call you um, Frank McSchwartz, but if you don't know Frank McCord, it's not funny. But uh, great reference. You should really look it up. It's a great, you've never seen, you've never <laughs> seen Angela's Ashes? Oh my God, it's no, such a. There's a couple of those that I haven't seen that I feel terrible. I mean, if this Frank McCord guy was also like middle class and got like Reeboks for Hanukkah, then it would be like me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I love a Reebok. Don't get me started. But I'm I'm different. It's funny that that's your version of fear of failure because I think mine is um, like almost not putting myself out there enough. Like I work, you know, and I'm out there and putting my voice out there. But it's I would say an inherent laziness in a way. I when I see people who you know it can be frustrating. I'm sure you know about this. Like people who you who don't find that great who see incredible success, and I always have to say, well, their work ethic absolutely tramples my work ethic. You know what I mean? These are people who work nonstop. So I can't look in their plate because that's their plate and this is my plate. And like, you kind of have to be your own cheerleader and publicist and everything else. So it, it takes a lot. I think there is something to that because at UCB, Upright Citizens Brigade, where I came up, it's like, there are of course going to be people way funnier than me. Yeah. But in my head, I was like, you know, if I work harder than everybody else, then maybe I'll get a little bit luckier. Maybe I'll get some more opportunities. So the beginning, I like tried everything. Like I, I've published a couple books. I've like wrote articles for any place. I wrote an article for Toy Fair magazine, which is a toy magazine for Wizard magazine. <laughs> any place that would let me do anything. What was it about? I performed at a yoga studio. No. So like, yeah. So I didn't oh I did anything I could because I was like, I want, one of these has to hit. And then writing was the first thing that kind of hit. And then acting with commercials was the next because improv I didn't get paid for improv I've been doing it for 20 years I didn't get paid for it until like 15 years in like zero dollars for it until 15 years oh well in. by so, the way I mean are we gonna go there because that was like the whole you know if we're talking about the right, improv I, place where right. we both performed the joke was they just never paid anyone and it was like right you know and my bitterness with that and I will just say you don't have to say anything they were good to me I never took the classes at UCB but I did a show there and my joke was always like can you just 
give me cab fare home. Like the 20, like I would sell out these theaters, you know what I mean? And be like, hey, it was sold out. And it was funny because whenever like page six wanted to write something like kind of, you know, cunty about me, which they've actually been very good to me lately, but they would always be like, oh, if you want to see Michelle, you can get tickets to her show. They're $7. And they would say it as though like I'm performing literally in a yoga studio, like (laughs) in like the back of the Gristides, which was pretty much what UCB was. But um I was like, oh my gosh, can they raise the price to like 12 bucks? Like people will still pay $12 and then I could like get money for the taxi home. But you know, there were just issues there, which you don't have to comment on. It's it's funny because I'll just say I had, my experience there was awesome. Although I've heard a lot of stuff since, since I've been to LA, I've heard quite a few things, but like uh, I wouldn't have had a comedy career unless that place existed. I, cause I was getting up when nobody was coming, you know what I mean? And I didn't have to pay money when I didn't sell anything out. So then, like, in my head, I was like, all right, now that I'm selling out everything, it's kind of like bouncing everything. But that got me, like, you know, helped me get commercial stuff and helped me get that. So that led to everything else. And then it was up to me if I wanted to keep performing there for free or not. And I just always did. Sure. I thought it was like working. It felt like working out. So, like, working out my brain, kind of. Yeah, so I no, still do and shows way, at Largo. We perform at Largo oh all gosh. the time. I've never performed at Largo. That's been a dream, actually, to do that. But no, I get it. And also, it's like a commune, UCB. Like, you want to pay people back. You want to help the new young kids. I mean, it's not really around anymore. Well, in LA, it is, right? I think it's. there's one theater left out of the four. Is this, there? They, I'm so interested to see what comedy venues are going to feel like after this. Like, stand-up oh venues and God. improv. All, like, how they exist or like what are still around, who could have, who paid through all their stuff through COVID. It's going to be kind of crazy. I have a theory that when this whole thing is over and done with, we're going to, um, I think it's almost like resetting the race in a way. Like everyone is sort of starting at the same gate again. Cause you know, there were people had like momentum going into the pandemic and then it kind of shut everybody's momentum down. So I feel like, it's, I mean, it's good news for me because I didn't have a ton of momentum before the pandemic. I'm like, okay, we can use this new time to reset. You get what I mean? And, and it's not for everybody, but I just feel like it's a, a resetting of the clocks in a way, which I, I'm excited about. Well, you're about. also doing stuff during this. You have a podcast. You interview people. Yeah. You, did, you were doing press for floor. Like, you were doing press and then also then this. So it's like you're hustling and stuff like that. I think there's a big part of it, like being polite and continuing to work on your stuff is huge. Like, if you use this time to try to write a little bit, but the other, the other thing is with this time, everything yeah. is, I'm like so anxious all the time because of what's going on. Cause my parents are so far away. Cause all, you know what I mean? Like yeah, there's things. so many things that whatever, whatever your version of dealing with that is that helps you get through all this stuff works fine. You, you can't get, you can't get upset at yourself. You're like, well, I didn't write three scripts. It's like, yeah, who, but we, you survived, oh, no. like you got through this. Yeah. I've done no real work. Like, by the way, someone was like, you should write a book. I'm like, you're right. Do you guys want to go to the outlets today? Like I am, I need to go, <laughs> I need to go buy some shit. Ben, do me a favor. Let's, let's pause part one. And I'm going to tease something for part two, which is that I have the tweet with the letter. So if you're comfortable with me basically okay. reading like a sext, a, a vintage sex to you, um, I'll open up part two with that. But guys, Ben Schwartz is um, just one of the best we have. Ben, you know, I've always adored you. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter and on Instagram at Rejected Jokes. Uh, watch him on Disney Plus. He's now a kid star. The kids love you. Uh, Sonic the Hedgehog, uh, Flora and Ulysses, um, part of a new animated series on Hulu coming out May 21st. Oh, yeah, sure. Sure. Why not? Um, the after party, just always working. Oh, that I would love. Hey, for episode two, guys, we're going to talk a little bit about the after party, which I haven't talked about anywhere yet. Really? 
Oh, good. Okay, yeah, just, I think we, we just finished filming it a week ago. Ooh, okay. So the after party, and I'm going to read this uh, letter. It also says he doesn't really watch reality TV. So that's going to be great in part two. All that and more <laughs> with Ben Schwartz, guys. I'm Michelle Collins. Uh, review us if you can on Apple uh, Podcasts. Leave a review and follow me if you want at Call. We'll see you Thursday. This has been a Forever Dog production. Midnight Snack with Michelle Collins is executive produced by Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. Produced by Tracy Soren. Original theme music by Gabe Lopez. Cover art by Ben Wiseman. To listen to this podcast ad-free, sign up for Forever Dog Plus at foreverdogpodcasts.com slash plus. Check out video clips of our podcasts on YouTube at youtube.com slash team, And make sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at foreverdogteam to keep up with all the latest Forever Dog news. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program. And that's the episode. We hope you loved it. Again, if you want to hear this show every single day, go to www.patreon.com slash mishcall. M-I-C-H-C-O-L-L. You can also follow me on Instagram, X, TikTok, all the things. Mishkal, M-I-C-H-C-O-L-L. I'm 
running myself into the ground for content and I want you to be a part of it. So we'll see you over there. And thanks again for joining us. Bye guys.